Get out of my pub. Get out of my pub right now. I'm not going anywhere. Hello and welcome to Get Out On My Pod. I'm Una. I'm Nav. How's it going, Nav? This is a question we said we wouldn't ask each other in 2021, but it's hard to know how else to open a podcast. It's true, right? And I think we kind of discussed before the podcast, at least for me, I, I've, I've been in a crap mood recently. <laughs> Fuck this. Do you know, it is what it is. This is definitely by far the highlight of my week since we last recorded. Yeah, same. I mean, it always is. Thank God. We are recording this later and later, but actually I think it's quite good to like reset me for like, you know, I can then be really irritated by the end of the week, but that gets later <laughs> now. <laughs> Bit of positive energy for a Sunday night. Exactly. But how are you, Una? How are you? Um, yeah, similarly, just in a, in a bad mood this week, um, because why wouldn't you be? Um and also, it's just so cold. I just, oh, God. oh, oh, I just hate this country so much in February. It's the worst. Yeah, it's genuinely horrendous. Like, I spend most of my days at the moment thinking about how to stay warm. Yeah, I've pretty much been in bed all weekend with the electric blanket on. Yeah, I've, I bought a new style of hot water bottle. In fact, recommend it to all of It's one of those long ones, those long thin it's ones. One of, yes, it is. Oh, yeah, I keep getting advertised that on Instagram. It's genuinely life-changing. <laughs> oh, well, I've been wearing the uh, sleeping bag suit that I bought actually back in October in anticipation of being in a cold house working from home all winter. And it's honestly the best thing I have ever bought in my life. Is it, is it like a onesie made out of sleeping bag material? Yeah, it's like a, it's a giant sleeping bag onesie. It's bright yellow, which is a colour that I chose. <laughs> And um, it is, it's unbelievably warm. I'm basically the coldest person I've ever met. Like I'm always, always freezing. It, and unless it's like over 25 degrees, I'm not really happy. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I actually really haven't been that cold this winter because I've had my sleeping bag seat. Do you make a noise when you move though? Yeah, I'm like... <laughs> <"Whoosh>, <laughs> <laughs> That's why I have to record this podcast from bed because if I was out of bed, I would be wearing a sleeping bag suit because otherwise it's too cold but you just hear me like rustling in the background all the time i i want to see you in this like uh at some point oh, i'll send you a picture of... i'm in it all day every day oh amazing amazing <laughs> like and also if you ever needed to go as like pikachu to a fancy dress i'll be sorted yeah amazing i may i may invest and join you we could become like um teletubbies yeah we could i honestly i would i strongly recommend it i've been recommending it to everyone well, there we go. God, I went from being irritated to uh, shortly about to be purchasing the most life-changing garment I've ever heard of. I should just be like a motivational speaker or something. Well, the thing is, the only problem is, and we'll get onto this shortly, is that I think we both weren't a fan of EastEnders last oh, week, so no, that'll soon, yeah, soon bring us down. We're about to be a little bit grumpy about EastEnders this week. <laughs> Let's start off with the good news, though. There's some really good news this week. Go on, go on, tell me. Nancy's coming back. Nancy's going to be back on the square. That's, yeah, amazing. I think we've actually said on quite a few occasions that we wanted her to come back, right? Yeah, we have. And I just didn't think it was going to happen at all. I think partly because she, I can't remember what her name is, Maddie something. Just partly because she's really talented. So I thought that maybe she'd be going off and be like snapped up by other things. Um, but 
just delighted that she's back. Yeah, fine. And we're glad her her uh, career hit the skids and she had to come back. <laughs> is that what's happened? I don't think necessarily returning to EastEnders <laughs> is like a downward trajectory for your career. It's it's horizontal. Yeah, I guess so. Unless she gets like a more significant storyline this time around. Well, quite. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. And uh, I think the big question for me, though, is we've heard no news about Himesh Patel coming back. Though. Yeah. And he's in, I actually just saw an Instagram post about him being in like a new Netflix series as well. So All right, it sure. seems like Tamar's not going to be coming back with Nancy, which is a shame. Well, you see, look at him being all la-di-da with his Netflix series. I, I know, watch, uh... he's so famous now. Well, good for him. I'm very pleased for him. I do hope, though, that means that doesn't mean that they've broken up. They better not have broken up. I'll be livid. Or, or, or he's dead. <gasps> oh, no, I don't want them to do that. It's, I mean, he's never coming back, is he? Like, Himesh Patel's never coming back to EastEnders, so like, maybe they should kill him off, but that would that would be really sad. Yeah, and actually, I can't quite imagine Tamwar on the square right now. Well, yeah, I mean, he's <laughs> he, he's got, like, no family to fit into. I mean, obviously, he would be part of the Carters, but it would feel, like, a bit awkward. Is he related to Ikra? Mm, yeah. yeah. Yeah, distantly. Well, anyway, fingers crossed. Did you, have you heard anything about whether Nancy's return is a long-term one? Um, No, I haven't. I kind of assumed that it was. But maybe it's not. I think because like Easton has announced it and they had a little like Instagram trailer of her coming back, that made me feel like it was going to be a long term thing. It's big. It's big. Okay. Well, whatever it is, I'm grateful for it, and hopefully, it will lift the dire state of Eastenders at the moment. Yeah, I mean, it definitely will. <laughs> yeah, it will. It will. I also don't think Eastenders is in a dire state. I'm just a little bit irritated from the last week. Yeah, there's been some. There's been some difficulties, but it's not like <laughs> it's not like in the bin. <laughs> well, let's clear up some other difficulties. And there was that petition going round about uh, uh, Big Mo, aka Layla Morse, um, yeah. having been axed from EastEnders. Um, it's now been been clarified that she's moving to Spain. So you can take down the petition, petition guys. Chill out, everyone. Chill out. It's all good. She just wants to retire in spain absolutely and good for her yeah sounds great i'd love to move to spain well you know maybe one day she'll invite us to do a special <laughs> recording maybe one day yeah so did everyone just like jump to conclusions on that yeah to be fair and i think you you pointed out pointed it out with the way the story was reported um i think it was reported as being an axing for like sensationalist terms. So fair enough to like viewers who are like, oh my God, she's being axed. Yeah, I get the blame should be on the media who interviewed a source that said right. maybe she's been axed. Exactly. Nine times out of 10, if a tabloid has said it, take it with a pinch of salt, guys. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think there's one more little bit of EastEnders news this week. Yeah, and we've kind of got a bit of a segment going, right? I think we have, yeah. Baby announcements. Baby announcements. So I was just kind of, you know, scroll in the net for some uh, EastEnders news. And uh, Beppe DiMarco, if any uh, longtime viewers of EastEnders can remember him, who's part of the DiMarco family that own the Italian restaurant, uh, aka Michael Greco, is uh, is about to have a baby. Oh, lovely. I'm happy yeah. for Beppe. 
I'm very happy happy for him. I was a little bit surprised that the kind of gossip pages thought it was worthy of reporting, but hey. Beppe was an iconic character, though. We all remember him. Well, he was an iconic character. I feel like this is actually, though, quite a good segue to a tweet we got from from one of our listeners. Yeah, it is a good segue, really, because we were talking last week about... uh, (laughs) We've had a discussion about how to pronounce his name. (laughs) Don... Get Gillette. 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 Is he like the armless co? Is he like the razor brand? <laughs> we don't know. Yeah. Um, we were talking last week about how, like, he obviously is an incredible actor to the point where it's like sometimes like makes the other people look bad in the show. Right. Right. Um, and we were like, he's not really that famous, is he, for how kind of for how good he is. He's someone who I think first time around when we saw any EastEnders, we probably expected him to go off and like do a lot of things, be quite famous. Um, so Kylie has pointed out that he does have a lot of work. If you look at, it, at his um, mm. IMDB page, he's in all these um, mystery shows and he does loads of voiceover work and narrates books. So wow. his career is wow. quite healthy. He's doing a lot of work. And I should clarify that I just don't, you know, I don't really watch normal TV. Like I watch, the only current TV I watch really is EastEnders. Um, and then otherwise I'm working my way through The Sopranos and the whole of Made in Chelsea from the beginning. Oh, my days. <laughs> so <laughs> I guess it is right that I wouldn't really know if he if he was famous. I probably wouldn't notice. But I think she's really hit at something there. Well, I feel like I'm actually just like stealing your point now. So maybe you should say that. No, I think, you know, it's our point. It's the world's point. And I think, like, <laughs> I think, as I say, I thought it was a good seg- segue from the, the Michael Greco story because you've got a guy who we are genuinely delighted. He, uh, he wanted to announce to the world that he's having a baby. He's really proud. He's really pleased. And we're all about that love and positivity here at, at Get Out of My Pod. But it was a little bit funny that somebody who was on EastEnders 20 years ago um, I think in the article they referenced him playing Beppe Di Marco, so it's not like they had anything more recent to reference. Yeah, he he's in the gossip pages, and uh, you know we don't even know how to say Don Gillette's surname. Exactly, like <laughs> you know, if you uh, yeah, it is one of those things where it's like if you sort if a white actor had that much work, like had that of a healthy career you probably see them on like Celebrity Bake Off or like maybe even on Strictly or like, you know, it's just, it feels like there's a very different level of treatment, like to get your way up to sort of a, a level of recognition and, and celebrity. Um, yeah, yeah feels, exactly. Se- seems like a little bit more of a struggle if you're black. Right. And it's just an observation. Don't tweet us. Like we haven't done a, a study on this. Don't find us the exceptions to the rule. We're genuinely not that that bothered and maybe you know Don Gillette doesn't want to come on on Bake Off so maybe that's yeah, but, the case, but <laughs> yeah maybe he's been offered on Strictly he's like no fuck that, yeah, fuck that. Um, right. so, but I can't yeah. wait to check him out on all the uh, mystery shows yeah I want to find out all the stuff he's narrated as well I'm, yeah. I'm ready to, to hear it thank you Kylie with your TV knowledge that we, we clearly do not have right well talking of knowledge that I don't have at least um, shall we move on to our predictions well we've got some more fan feedback Oh God! We yeah, could move God, on to I... our predictions, or we could spend a bit of time just like reading out people agreeing with us and giving us compliments. I think we should do that because then the predictions take us on the downward slope. <laughs> yeah, let's keep it at the positive level. Yeah. Um, so you'll be happy about this email that we got this week, Nav. Oh, by the way, Ooh. 
Um, we've also been told we do not read out our email address enough. So our email address is getoutofmypod at gmail.com. Anyone can email yeah. us, please. And outer is spelled O U double T A. Outer. Get yeah. out of Yeah, it's not even really spelled like you would say it on the square. But anyway. Well, that's down to me. So <laughs> like, it'd be confusing we... if you missed the T's out, wouldn't it? Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, you guys have got it now. Write it down, get a pen, <laughs> and get emailing. Yes, please. So we had an email this week from our um, anonymous fan who emailed us some lovely feedback a few weeks ago. Oh, and my God. they have said, <laughs> I'm going to read out some segments of it because you're just going to be <laughs> so pleased. Let's talk about Gray, his acting. I mean, we all like to focus on the positives, but seriously... Every single time he gets on screen and does that weird breathing through his nostrils thing that's supposed to pass us acting. He's about as scary as his waistcoats. It drives me insane. Um, oh, tell, well, I'm going to read out another segment. I can get on board with Hammy, Sharon's eye acting, Phil's yelling, and Suki's amazing mouth twist pout. We all love a bit of drama, but Grey, man, it's just a constant deep disappointment. He makes Peter's London accent seem decent. I prefer watching Feckless Billy on screen, and that's saying something. I genuinely, we, we had another discussion before the podcast as to whether it was me sending the emails. But to be honest, this person is much funnier and much more articulate than me. Like, um, and they're, yeah, I'm a person after my own heart. Absolutely love that they, they have these, these great opinions and uh, Excellent. Yeah, keep, keep emailing us. I'm going to be looking out for Suki's amazing mouth twist pout. They're completely right, though. There are, there are, you know, EastEnders, like, we love it for some of its hamminess, like, yeah. and those really camp characters and stuff like that. Um, and there is something a little bit cartoonish about Grey. I guess the problem is, is that his, the main reason he's on the square was to do the domestic violence storyline. Yeah, if he was a different kind of villain, like not right. an issues villain, a villain villain, right. maybe we could get more on board with it i mean i say we i've been like yeah he's fine but i feel like this is very strongly argued i can't really disagree with this right exactly even i'm a bit like maybe i need to ramp up my criticism of growth <laughs> um so yeah that was one email that we got this week uh we also got a lovely email from gabriel who said hi i adore your podcast they're so funny and so true please keep it up they really relax me while i'm doing my maths work and also, oh I'm now far too invested in the Cushion Whitney romance, romance, which doesn't exist. So thank you for that. It's added a bit of spice to my weekdays. It does exist now. I knew it was going to exist. Well, I wonder if they were saying it doesn't exist because like, it's a fictional show or uh, it doesn't exist because it hasn't happened. But either way, we are, <laughs> we are fully Cushion Whitney stands. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think the romance properly happened on the friday right and this email came in on thursday so okay yeah well let's maybe they want to start a uh cushion whitney stan account oh yeah hopefully i'd love to see some cushion whitney fans yeah and like again all love to the Ballam fans but i feel like the fandom needs a new relationship to to shift absolutely yeah and i'm into this one so thank you gabriel Oh my god. Right, okay, let's do it. Let's get into our our predictions. What was yours? So, my prediction was that Phil will send Shirley to do this investigative work about where Tina is and she'll start to piece things together. 
Yeah, um, and I think you I got half of it and I think the other half is, is gonna happen. There was a focus on Shirley. I think what I hadn't realised is that obviously she'd be like livid with Phil because of um because Phil knew it wasn't Tina all along. Um I totally like forgotten that piece of the puzzle. So that happened. And then, I mean she did start to piece things together, but really she just did a Tina where it's like suddenly she just like hated Grey. Yeah, right. And it's a bit like you have had ample opportunity, much more than than Tina, to like see his true colours. And suddenly you're like, oh, maybe he did something to Tina. Yeah, like she literally was like, you, I can't remember what she said, like something really severe that was like, that was like, you can't feel love. Right. You're like, you're dead inside or whatever it was, right? Something like that. That was just like, how, how come you suddenly like absolutely despise this man? Yeah, which is a reasonable reaction to have to him, but you definitely should have had it earlier. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't very convincing to me. I just really, I'm bored of the whole storyline. I wanted to go away. Well, I do have a bit more to say about Tina, but let's save it save it yeah, for the, the episode because I've, I've got a question for you. But um, shall I do my shit prediction? Yeah, now? what was your prediction? <laughs> <laughs> do you know what? I don't think it was shit. It's just that, I feel like it happened in a slightly different way, so I'm gonna I'm gonna okay. give myself a lot a lot it. of license here. <laughs> <laughs> so I said Lucas would save Denise. Yeah. Now you know what I won't you know I won't try and dress it up as anything other than the way I said it, which was that he would literally rescue her from Caleb. Yeah. But that didn't specifically happen. But in some respects, the way where we got to by the end of the week is that. He was rescuing them um, from being murdered by Caleb by by doing the drugs drop. Yeah, it was kind of a version of a rescue that is not um, like not really problematic. Like the the version where Lucas rescued Denise from Caleb, I think would have been like very frustrating to watch. Yeah, it's not. It's definitely nowhere near as problematic. Am I satisfied with the storyline? Well, we can discuss it in the episode. <laughs> Shall we discuss it? I feel like it was definitely the focus of this week. Like probably the biggest thing that was happening was the sort of yeah, the Lucas and Denise stuff. Like yeah. yeah, how do how do you how do you feel about it right now? Um, I think all the actors involved are doing a great job. Yeah, <laughs> oh, it's just one of those ones that like um. There's quite a few storylines that have kind of been like this where they, it's almost like a series of anti-climaxes. Like they have one, the storyline's building towards one thing and then that unravels like much earlier than you think it's going to and then it changes direction and that unravels and that changes direction and it's like it never quite like comes to a satisfying point. Yeah, and obviously the, the obvious parallel that I think you're alluding to is the Chantel turning into a Tina murder storyline, turning into yeah. like, you know, Tina then attacking Ian, like all these like weird like twists and turn, uh, yeah. turns. Um and ultimately for me, none of them are particularly satisfying. And and if they just stayed with the original storylines, yeah, that would have been a much more exciting thing to build up to. Yeah, totally. Like if they were building up to the Ibiza thing for a little bit longer and just like stuck with that, it would I don't know. I feel like it, yeah, it'd be more satisfying to watch. I mean, I feel like they even did a similar thing with the poisoning storyline, with the Ian poisoning storyline, where it was like they're building up and building up to like um, kind of Sharon having her revenge on Ian. And then it's almost like the wind got knocked out of it a little bit by like Ian finding out and then Sharon kind of like wobbling. And then, you know, it just never quite like 
has the explosive ending that you want. But even the poisoning was actually a twist, right? Because the original way he was supposed to die was Phil attacking him. Yeah, exactly. And it's just never quite... Oh, I don't know. It makes I I think like all of the drama, but not but none of the impact is kind of like what those storylines end up being, and then it like desensitizes you to the drama. Yeah, and actually, for me, it then also ends up drawing attention back to the original storyline, and then gets me thinking: was that actually any good? Because yeah. <laughs> even with the kind of Lucas, like you know, you say they had stuck with like the Ibiza thing and like Lucas doesn't didn't find out and Denise didn't get kidnapped. Yeah. I'm still a little bit like it was already far fetched Lucas being released. Um and then, you know, Chelsea pretending to like, you know, bonded with him again and actually it's a revenge plan and all of this kind of stuff. Was that a good storyline? Yeah, I mean it wasn't ideal. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I was fine with it as like a mechanism to get Chelsea back on the square. Yeah, and that's as far as it goes, really. And if you think about the other, you know, permutations of getting her back on the square, even if that did involve Lucas, I don't know about this. Yeah, but the good news is they're all fantastic actors, so it's still quite enjoyable to watch. Yeah, it is. It is. I guess I was so frustrated this week because then the fact of them being all good actors... And then maybe seeing them perpetually in not great storylines yeah. for like six months, a year. I'm a bit like, oh, don't do that. Because yeah. say one of them decides to leave, then we've like lost them and we've lost some really great potential storylines. Yeah, true, true. I did quite enjoy Lucas's visit to the church. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean... Also, what do you make of this idea that, like, oh, he's got this, like, dark side that he's always trying to hold back and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, I'm fine with it. I mean, yeah, okay. he was so, like, you know, he was a real villain. Like, he was he was just evil. There was really no, like, um, explanation of kind of how he ended up like that. Like, it was, he wasn't a villain that we, like, needed to be sympathetic to in any way. He was just, like, cartoonishly evil, like, in a good way in a way that I thought was like done really well. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I guess the thing in my mind is then, can you bring characters like that back? Because the other person I think of in, in that kind of mold is is uh, is Archie. Yeah. Um, and his storyline had a, obviously a very, very definitive ending. Um, and yeah, Lucas, like, it, there, there was a really kind of, you know, like good arc with his storyline that ended up in, you know, the murders and the prison sentence. And, can you bring characters like that back? Does it ruin it? I think you can bring them back. I think if you were to stick around longer than kind of this storyline, I think that's when it will start to get really difficult. Yeah, and I think maybe they'll learn some lessons from what happened with Dirty Den, um, where I think there was a lot of excitement about like his return and yeah. then actually did go a bit stale. Now, obviously, stuff happened with the actor that, that I think a lot of people know about, but I think... Also, once that kind of you know excitement of his return had gone, they were they were like, oh, do we make him like a you know a character with like a domestic life on the square, or do we <laughs> give him like a show? And they left him around too long. Yeah, yeah. I hope they do that with Lucas. I feel like this whole thing of like him being in the church and you know having this idea that he's like got a demon inside him that he's always wrestling with. For me, that's an indication that like 
he can't be a long-term character like he just has to be a villain and he has to like serve this purpose in storylines yeah exactly and maybe this is the 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 point to to move on to another storyline because maybe my my frustration with this one with this storyline is that I feel like in soaps you can have like one or two of these kinds of storylines happening at once. Yeah. Um, but I think we've got too many. We've got two. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Right. Shall we move on to the other obvious uh, one? Yeah. Oh my God. This week with Grey. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Oh my days. Yeah. It's okay. So he, here's actually what I was gonna gonna mention then in 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 the show is that. Yeah. I've had a friend of mine, George, who's messaged me to revive a theory that we'd mentioned on the podcast some a, f- a few times before, which is that he thinks and his friend thinks, who, who he's been messaging, um, that um, Tina isn't dead. Yeah, she is dead. <laughs> oh, she, you, you're I like, fully disagree. As in, she is dead, your opinion, or she is dead, like you've got information to say that he, this is incorrect. It's it's my opinion deduced through like all of the signs, like the fact that um the actor who plays Tina, Louisa Bradshaw, I think. Yeah. Um she's like set up this like breathing meditation company. Um so like she's gone off to pursue her wellness career. And like maybe like she could have filmed a few scenes or whatever. I just like I don't I really don't see it happening. I think that like because also when she had her last week as well, there was so much like fanfare on Instagram about her leaving. Yeah, and actually one thing you've mentioned there has kind of made me think that when you're under contract with the BBC, I don't think you're allowed to promote like private endeavors and right. private businesses. Yeah. So uh, apart from as you say, unless she did film some scenes. And it could be a scene that she filmed, like, literally just her and Shirley, and, like, she decides to leave anyway. Um, because we got, like, a scene, I think, I remember when Keanu left, there was, like, a scene at the airport. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, that's kind of how he ended up, like, leaving. Yeah. But she's also definitely not still alive, because Grey paid a homeless person to dress up as her and, like, go to Maidstone. Yeah, which, wow, yeah. <laughs> so, like, you wouldn't. If she was still alive, you just wouldn't do that. But also, what do you make of that? The idea that like, oh, uh, the person identified themselves to the police and then ran away. And then ran away. What? (laughs) (laughs) She's wanted for attempted murder. Like, how did that work in practice? Did this homeless person just like go up to a police officer in Maidstone and be like, hi, I'm Tina. I'm Tina Carter. And then run away. Yeah, I'm I'm the one you're after. Catch and then, me if like, you can. would that cop in Maidstone even know to report that? Like, <laughs> it feels like a, a Benny Hill sketch. Like, she literally <laughs> like poked the police officer in the bum and said, "Catch me!" And then did like a <laughs> run around the supermarket yeah. that she's doing shoplifting with some funny music. Oh my god, that's just like one of those. Oh. One of those storylines where it's like, come on, just try a little bit. Give us something. Like, we're so forgiving. There's so many things that we'll just, like, sit and watch and be like, yeah, fine. But, like, that's just, um, it's taking the piss a little bit, really, isn't it? Well, I mean, at this point, I would say the whole thing is actually unforgivable. If you go (laughs) back to, like, why it was Grey was brought onto the show. Yeah. And actually the times at which that storyline was done well. Obviously, I'm talking about the the, the domestic violence storyline. Um, and we had, you know, slightly different opinions as to like 
you know, certain aspects of it and certain nuances of it. And, you know, I had my opinions about about Grey's acting. But overall, we thought this was a worthwhile storyline. Yeah. They fucked it. They fucked it. And, like, why have the Carters even been brought into it? Like, you've got Mitch, you've got Karen, you've got Kira, like, three very intriguing characters who had, like, like, such a clear connection to Chantal and, like, such an emotional investment in this whole situation why would you like drag some random family into it and like have to there's no need for all these like really convoluted storylines yeah and actually it's convoluted that that, you know and goes even further than that i think i said i was excited about you know these three different storylines and these three different families kind of coming together for this uh for this storyline but actually it's a bit of a mess because you know it leads into the the Ian storyline it's created this new feud with the with the Mitchells you've got the yeah. Grey storyline like you know and it's a bit like oh, this is like I don't even like I don't know now how people should be reacting to different things because I can't quite remember how and you know who they're connected to yeah yeah it does it's like too complicated it's too convoluted and it's like there's too many people who have had to like act out of character or do something ridiculous yeah it's it's just absurd like even even that scene of like when sharon uh got the the pub from the solicitor and like karen was sitting there and that's that storyline was like oh karen's just a bystander in this amusing storyline but she's okay it's a couple of degrees away but she's also connected to that storyline yeah yeah it is yeah it's way it's way too tangled up i mean even like every little aspect of it like that gray is working for phil on top of his normal job as a lawyer like why yeah. it, it's <laughs> just yeah they, I, I don't know why they're doing this and don't i think in the past best. well but this is the problem though and i don't want to get too too despondent about eastenders but do you think this is what we're gonna see over the oh, next year? Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, I, it's not. It's not been great since Christmas, has it? Like it's been a pattern of this really since then. So right. I hope not. I mean, like, how? What are the eras of EastEnders defined by? Like, is this a specific writer that's kind of like? wanting to entangle every single storyline with with all the others yeah quite possibly i mean i kind of want to avoid getting into that too much because i know it is a uh a real focus of a certain part of the fandom to like talk about which producers in charge at the moment and you know i don't want to get too much into that because i know it ends up then getting into like oh sack this person sack that person what have you and that's obviously not our our, our vibe um so I think I think you're right though. I think that is something to do with it. Um but you know regardless of how it improves um it it needs to improve. Yes, please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um shall we talk about the Mitchells? The Mitchells versus the Carters maybe. Well, I think we're kind of there, yeah. yeah. I think cuz I think once Mick finds out um that Phil threatened Linda and uh, his son like that, he ain't going to put up with that. Absolutely not, no. Um, so, Linda's out to get the Vic again. Yeah, which I would quite like to see the Carters back in the Vic, actually. Yeah, especially if Nancy's coming back. Yeah, I, d- I do think, though, could they not 
like have just found a way to do it and do it quite quickly like why does this also have to be a big old drama yeah i mean everything has to be a big old drama doesn't it i mean it is a drama so <laughs> like, you know obviously it's all a drama but you know you're a bit <laughs> like you've got a lot going on guys could you not just you know have done a like within a week like linda's like i want the pub and by friday she signed the contract yeah i feel like that I, again, it's like another one that I want. I worry that it's going to go meandering off in a different direction. Like they've just thrown into the mix that the cars kind of want to move back to the Vic, and then like next week it'll be something else. Oh God, I hope not. I hope not because <laughs> like you can't also tease that and then be like, oh, but now it's not going to happen and it might never happen. I felt really conflicted though because I was like, when Sharon like signed that contract and she was, and then she was in the Vic on her own, just looking around, being like, oh my God, it's mine. I was I was like, oh yeah, Sharon is like the sole owner of the Vic. I'm quite up for this. Yeah, I don't know. I'm uh, uh, I'm not in a good place with Sharon at the moment. <laughs> oh my god, Nav. I'm not. I'm really not. Oh, so really sad. Not. I think they don't know what to do with her as she gets older. And yeah. I think what they're doing is these weird kind of like oh my God, we need to have her in the pub. Oh my God, we need to have her with Phil. Oh, God, oh my God, we need to have her at the center of some like absurd drama. And it's like, maybe she wants to slow down a little bit. Maybe not even slow down, but you know what I mean? Or maybe she wants to meet an entirely new person and have a yeah. new relationship with a new person. That, imagine that. Imagine how much more exciting it would be if yeah. a new character was introduced as a love interest for Sharon. And they could settle her down for a bit. Like, I mean... Maybe I'm just remembering this wrong, but when I think about Peggy Mitchell, like I feel like there were years and years of her just kind of living her life, and like there were storylines, but like not storylines that mean like every single thing in her life is upturned. Yeah, exactly, and not everything has to be a throwback. Yeah, yeah. I think it'd be great to have some more storylines that are like a little bit dramatic. I guess like what we've seen in the Slater household, where there are like lots of storylines lots of drama but there's like a constancy there a consistency yeah and and i think also a kind of moving forward as well there's always a kind of like it feels like there's something new that's going on even if it means like revisiting a mental health story and what have you like you know daniel and and gene like was a new storyline with a yeah. new character that was kind of brought in um, and I always think back to and maybe I've got a bit of kind of, you know, nostalgia for this, but I still love the storyline that Sharon had with that fireman. Um, and a lot of people don't remember it, but I thought it was like a really great era for her where it was this new person. Um, yes, he had links to the square, but they were all kind of like concocted for the, the storyline. He, he, he'd never been mentioned on, on mm. EastEnders before then. And they did a you know a, a big storyline arc, and yes, he ended up dying and ended up being heartbreaking. But it was a nice self-contained storyline that didn't involve Phil, didn't involve her trying to get yeah. the pub, all of that kind of stuff. So get Sharon a new bloke. Is that what we're saying? Why not? Right? Why not? Yeah, yeah. Get her, get her a new bloke. Get her settled in the Vic somewhere else, anywhere. Let her just like have have a calm time for a little while. Yeah, or, or imagine, okay, here, I'm throwing another one out there. Why <laughs> didn't she uh, find some way, like, if they could find a way for her to own the Prince Albert? Yeah. Oh, that'd be nice, yeah. Right. Get her a new business, that'd be Yeah, fun. there's options here. There's options. I the, My only problem with the Carters moving back into the Vic is it does feel very soon for Linda as an alcoholic to be moving back into a pub. 
yeah, I think they shot themselves in the foot with the whole like, oh, she needs to leave because she's an alcoholic, which I think was a completely feasible storyline. Yeah. But once you've done it, you've got to commit to it for at least a good two, three years. Yeah, it seems like they did not have a plan for that. Yeah, well, <laughs> I think, I don't know. Do you think it, Do you think they didn't like envisage that they'd like, you know, they'd want to eventually get them back, like, or I don't think or... they've envisaged anything for a long time. <laughs> it feels like it's just been chaos for like the last year, basically, just like veering from one storyline to the next. Because like there was um, it got mentioned this week that like Phil used to be Linda's sponsor. I think Linda yeah. was like, "Oh, you can't play the nice sponsor act with me," and I was like, "Oh my god, yeah, I remember when Phil was Linda's sponsor for like two weeks, and then they just forgot about that." Yeah, and now he's photographing a son with the threat, right. supposedly, of killing him. Yeah, great. <laughs> <laughs> and Phil wouldn't kill Johnny. Come on. Yeah, exactly right. Like, it, it, the, the whole thing was ridiculous. Somebody actually mentioned on uh, on Twitter, somebody who'd been watching the classic EastEnders, uh, I think they come on U- on UK TV drama or something like that, um, and... Um, I went back and looked at this, and actually they pointed out that um, Bill was actually really nice like, back in the day, and his role was the nice one out of him and Grant. Mm-hmm. Like, and actually, not just like nice in comparison, but actually his role was basically, he was being like urged to be this like bad gangster, but he had a heart, and he tried to do the right thing. Yeah. And- all of that kind of stuff. Yes, he had the affair stuff, but an affair is not like, you know, threatening to kidnap and murder someone's child, right? Yeah, it's like he's gone to a new level recently that doesn't quite make sense with this character. Like, I feel like over the last however long it's been that Phil's really been this like head gangster of the square, I feel like they've often done it quite well with kind of like harking back to his relationship with his mum, his relationship with his dad, and seeing the kinds of pressures that have like pushed him to have this identity that he has now and like that a lot of it is kind of about his idea of masculinity and family and all of that stuff and so I can kind of believe that he's gone from being like the nicer more mellow brother to this like sort of gangster position but like the the new level of like being being involved in like human trafficking threatening to have people killed actually having people killed like like he had fat boy killed right yeah yeah and Vincent maybe yeah, and also he's responsible for um, Dennis's death. Like, uh, yeah, although he's forgotten about that, and so has Sharon. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not talking about Denny, by the way. I'm talking about you know. Who oh, I'm talking about, right? yeah, I didn't watch it back then, but yeah. yeah, yeah, he was also responsible for that as well. Like, and actually, the thing that bothers me is that you know they've taken Phil to this place, but he started off, as I say, in the '90s as being you know this person who was a little bit reluctant to be to be this kind of, you know, nasty old gangster. The thing that I really worry about with Ben is that he's been quite cruel, like, at points. Like, I think about the storyline with Martin yeah. and what an absolute bastard he was to, to Martin. And this is Terrible. where he's starting. God knows where he's going to end up. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, we do need a bit more of the old Ben, please. And the old Phil. Let's have the old Phil back. Like, Get him doing a dance routine together. Do you know what though? I'm gonna I'm gonna endorse one of your more controversial controversial opinions, um, and um, maybe maybe it's time for Phil to go. Thank you, retire <laughs> Phil. And that's not you know I've had a little bit of backlash on this <laughs> from <laughs> from people on Twitter from listeners, but 
I just think, you know, me saying it's time for Phil to go is not a reflection on like Phil as a good character. I think he's one of my favorite every standards characters, an icon. But I think they're done now. I think they've exhausted all of the routes they can go down with him. Yeah, agreed. I do also worry we're about to lose a lot of listeners. Um, but, um, <laughs> we'll try and be more positive next week. Yeah, we, I, I don't feel like this is going to be like a permanent mood for us. Like, I think, you know, hopefully people respect us for our honesty. Um, and uh, as as one of our favorite fans have said, like our deep affection for the show um, hopefully comes across. And that means sometimes, though, we're a little bit disappointed. Yeah, yeah, true. Um, can we talk about Max? Oh, Max. Poor guy. Yeah, Max had a hard week, didn't he? I I actually was kind of like into that storyline with the clairvoyant. Yeah, me too. When he looked at the flyer, I was like, oh no, don't do this. Come on. Right. This is ridiculous. But actually, yeah, I thought it worked really well. It was really emotional. Yeah, Max in pain. I just wanted to give him a big old hug. Yeah, poor old Max. Although he really genuinely did not give a shit about Denise going missing, did he? Oh God, no. No, couldn't care less. Absolutely nothing. Yeah, I mean, but then again, like I, you know, we, we, we're really going to miss Jake Wood, I think, as a as a, an actor on the square because he just played that guy, that that Max Browning guy, so well. Oh my god! Like, and and the and the fact of him being simultaneously like a really empathetic character for that week, like sympathetic character for that week, and and also that side of Max of being a little bit self involved was still there. I was like, that is like perfect, Max. Yeah, yeah, it was perfect because, like, you do feel for him, like the psychic scene. It was really emotional. Like, felt really bad for him, but it was also just like, God, you're so self-absorbed. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> it's exactly. It's like you're this miserable mainly because you like have no capacity to like see what's going on around you or empathize empathize with anyone else. Okay, so I, I do. I don't want to move on from us enjoying that storyline like too quickly because it's one of the few highlights that that we've got from the week but what did you make of jack revealing um mick's abuse oh my as god part of yeah i forgot about that um oh max is gonna do something awful isn't he also but jack like what <laughs> what's yeah. he doing i mean very bad practice oh, also i think like not that surprising <laughs> yeah yeah he's not he's not the best person no and the police historically are not the best at handling those kinds of situations so i think like not out of the question that that kind of thing could happen but um yeah like what an insane thing to reveal to max such a chaotic character also when he's like totally smashed i'm i'm excited though for like and so by the way if listeners don't know this is his last week um the character's last week and um I think certain things have come together as much as I was like, oh, I want Max to go out in a way in which he kind of builds bridges and, you know, men's like riffs that he's got with people, all that kind of stuff. I'm totally here for this chaotic exit. <laughs> Me too. Yeah, I could never quite see your vision of like Max redeeming himself and then leaving. Yeah, no, it was it was wishful thinking. And actually, like where the direction they've gone with it is is perfect, despite my worries given what they've done with other storylines i think the fact that we know he's only got four episodes left go where the fuck you want with it i'm excited yeah it's gonna be good um rainy was quite mean to him (laughs) 
But again, and actually, you know what? The fact of, of us discussing this storyline reminds me that actually, even in bad weeks of EastEnders, like there are still some great moments. And Rainey being terrible, again, was another one of those moments about of an actor who knows, or, or, or writers who know characters so well. Yeah. That that's exactly what Rainey would do. Yeah, exactly. And she's, uh, she's playing it well to get full custody of Abby. I think we've discussed this before, but explain to me why she has joint custody of, of Abby. <laughs> well, um, the way I remember it, Max and Rainey had a fake marriage, a sham right. marriage, in order to like increase Max's chance of getting custody of Abby, which I don't really understand because is that how it works? Like, If you're married, are you more likely to get custody of your grandchild? Yeah, no. It was like all for social services, but it didn't really make sense to me because surely, like, Max would have been the obvious person to get custody anyway because he's kind of like the next family member along, isn't he? So, yeah. why would he need to marry his ex wife's sister? And also, what about his ex wife? Yeah. Yeah, we've never really heard what Tanya thought of all of that. Yeah. <laughs> Did she not fancy joint custody? <laughs> Probably not. Probably not. Fine. Anyway, whatever. I'm glad like that this is... I think we actually possibly predicted this. You know when the whole surrogacy storyline was going on? Yeah, we did talk about it, didn't we? Yeah, and I think we actually concluded, like, oh, there couldn't be a good way of her being able to get Abby permanently. But I think this is what they're doing. I think it is what they're doing. It's a little bit weird just because... Well, it was quite weird that Stuart and Rainey just like didn't mention Abby at all while they were having while they were going through that surrogacy storyline. So they kept being like little lines like, oh, we're just going to be a family of two and that's fine. It's like, well, you're not really because you've got baby Abby, like you've got joint custody. So I found it very strange that like Abby was totally written out of that story. Yeah. And then also then why then leave this massive gap if you knew that they were going to eventually get Abby? Like it just feels a little bit like, well, maybe it's fine actually. Maybe it is fine to not brush through storylines fairly quickly, but I think maybe they could have left some hints in that original surrogacy storyline that maybe yeah. this is where it would end up and then I wouldn't have minded that. Oh, actually, this is this is where it's going. Yeah. But it'll be very nice if that happens. It'll be lovely. I'll be lovely. a big fan of that. Okay. Um, so talking of uh, couples that we love, <laughs> mm. the Valentine's Day storyline was Kush and Whitney, as I predicted. Yeah, well, time for those Stan accounts to get revved up. Come on. How are you feeling about um, Kush and Whitney? I like it, despite me saying, oh, it'd be nice if they were friends. Um, I think they're just such a good-looking couple as well, right? Oh, my God, yeah. So fit. Yeah. Some, some hot stuff on the square. Um, I think it makes sense. I think it definitely makes sense. Um, it was cheesy, but probably just on the right side of not too cheesy. It was quite cute and they both play it well, like especially I think Whitney like is such a good character for those kinds of scenes. Yeah, exactly. I think your intuition is clearly much better than mine because in my head I was like, oh, have they felt like this about this for ages? Because the fact of it going from nothing, like it felt like it went from nothing to that fairly quickly in my mind but obviously you saw some flirting that i just completely missed 
I did. And also, I was talking to my boyfriend's mum about this on the weekend. We were just chatting about EastEnders storylines and mentioned Kish and Whitney. And she was like, oh, yeah, but they've been lining that up for ages, haven't they? Oh, my <laughs> and God. I was like, what? yeah, I mean, kind of. I, I clocked it a week or two ago, maybe. But I don't know about ages. But maybe they have. I'm genuinely be a bit gutted because I feel like I like to pride myself on being you know, for, um, um, you know, a, a cis man, like having decent emotional intelligence, <laughs> um, but just didn't see it. Yeah. I mean, they're not actually real people. So. <laughs> yeah. But you know, you saw it though. You saw it. So props to you. I, I clocked it when they had their like market banter, which actually wasn't that long ago. So I think maybe there's been some little cues in like, you know, for, for example, Whitney going, like being the one to go and get Kush and like talk him out of taking Arthur to Dubai, things like that, that maybe they were kind of hinting. I think they were hinting. I think, as I say, the hints maybe weren't obvious enough for me. I think one thing that still does bother me, because, and I think they kind of did it with the Ben and Callum proposal storyline, is that I feel like they suspend a lot of other like factors, like to just make the moment as schmaltzy as possible. So like the fact that, Whitney said absolutely nothing or had no hesitation like around the fact that he was going to prison. It's a bit like, could you not have written like a, a minute scene of going like, oh, I don't know, do you think this is a good idea? Like maybe they'll do it in the aftermath. Maybe they'll like, oh, they'll, you know, wake up together or, or like, you know, the, the aftermath will be like, yeah. oh, we can't, you know, this can't be serious. But I hope they do mention it at some point. The thing that I thought that she would have mentioned or Kush would have mentioned is Kat. This is like, mm, it's pretty soon right. after that. I don't think that's really cool. Like, I wouldn't if my mate had recently broken up with their partner over something as traumatic as him having kidnapped your nephew. Um, yeah, and pe- yeah, right. Yeah, absolutely would not sleep with him. Yeah, and particularly as we know now that Kat and Phil probably isn't going to happen there, right? Mm, yeah, Phil seems, Phil seems on a bit of a path to getting back with Sharon. Yeah, so, you know, Kat has got more reason now. Now she hasn't got her eyes on uh, old Baldy there. That, uh, you know, she ain't going to be too happy about this. Yeah, well, hopefully. I'd be surprised if, like, well, I'd be a little bit annoyed if they just let that kind of all slide and there's no, like, repercussion from Kat. But, I mean, talking of the Slaters, we saw saw Mo this week starting her new job. At the call centre, ready to sell (laughs) pest control? I think so, yeah. Well, you know, is this how her exit storyline happens? I don't know. She sells a dodgy batch to like a I'm customer, just, like, like go on off the run. The... Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right, that would be funny. She's got to go. Maybe she'll have like a feud with Zuki, and she'll just have to leave town. Do you think this will be the opportunity to see Fat Elvis for the first time? <laughs> oh my god! Imagine it'd be like the first time Tracy had a line. Oh god! Like momentous, like truly yeah. momentous. Like because I could, I would totally love, and I know how ridiculous it sounds, but I don't care. But her and Fat Elvis to decide to that would you know, actually be so good, like riding right. off into the sunset. Right. Like, yeah, I'd love it. I would maybe love a shot that. shotgun wedding as well. Oh yeah, great. I mean, Mo, you could do so much with her character. Like if she doesn't have a ludicrous exit, I'll be really disappointed. Yeah, and I hope that. I don't know. It's weird, right? Because her departure is doesn't sound like it's fully permanent. Mm. But I think if it was fully permanent, then they could actually do quite a lot with her. That isn't also all just silly. And I think, you know, some throwbacks to... Because don't forget she, you know, what she was like 
Pat's sister-in-law or something like that, like back back in the day. Um, and she's got links to the square. She's mm-hmm. got ties to like different families to the square. So if it is a proper permanent departure, then I wouldn't mind some serious scenes as well. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit, not too much though. Yeah, you know, she could, uh, you know, she could have a little chat with Sonia about helping her deliver um, uh, Rebecca. <laughs> yeah, there could be like a really good kind of like set of throwbacks. I guess if she's not going forever, they won't want to make it too momentous. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I just would love the a little reminder that uh, Big Mo wasn't just this like true. pop in to say something amusing. Like she was a full-time character for like yeah, a quite a number of years. Been. And right. And I love like and I remember when Pat had a departure, um, she had a really good scene with with Pat when Pat was in hospital. Mm. Um, where yeah, they had a little chat about, you know, a little back and forth as as they would normally have. And I was like, yeah, I'd want to see a bit more of that. Yeah, that'd be nice. It'd be nice. Um well talking about of Slater departures, no one has mentioned Jean. Why would you? It's not like she's uh she might have cancer again. She might have cancer and she's disappeared, right? Like the last scene we saw was her filming a video saying, I'm leaving. Yeah, but nobody's nobody's noticed. Stacey seems fine. Mo seems fine. That's the petition people need to start. Yeah. Where is Jean? Yeah, exactly. Um, So I think a family that we haven't talked about is the Beals. Yeah, you know. Well, what is there to say about the Beals? Kathy is doing her thing. Bobby has been actually there was there was a quite a sweet scene between Bobby and Kathy in in McClunkies, right? Yeah, though, like I I quite liked kind of Bobby and Kathy building their relationship. I think it's a really nice development to Bobby's character because he's always been so anchored to Ian, and actually like seeing him have this slightly different relationship is really lovely. Yeah, and and it's really sweet as well about how he was like, you know, to Kathy, you need to, you maybe need to speak to someone, and then Kathy also recognizing that his OCD was being exacerbated by the yeah. whole situation, and 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 I don't know, there's something about like cross generational relationships that when it's done well is just like really endearing. It's so nice because it's quite healing on both sides, like. Right. She is the parent that Bobby needs at the moment. Like she's loving right. and adoring because she's the grandparent, really. So she just sees the best in him. Right. And for her, like obviously she didn't do the best job with Ian. So like right. this is quite a nice like redemption process, maybe. Like after having fate her and death and disappeared for a long time, she's kind of got a chance to like be there for someone. Yeah, exactly. And actually it does make me worry about Ian's return, right? Because I could see the Beals plus or minus Peter um, doing quite well over the last year. Like when I say plus or minus Peter, basically I'm saying I'm, o- I'm only interested in Kathy and, and Bobby. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, and you know what? I, I, I've got a bit more time for Peter these days. So, you know, if he stuck around, I wouldn't cry about it, but Ian coming back and ruining any dynamic that that's been formed, I think would piss me off. It would piss me off. But if he brings Jane with him, it might be fine. Oh, and then there would be a whole thing about Jane and Bobby. Yeah, that's exciting. Yeah, Jane and Bobby. Like maybe there would even be some competition between Kathy and Jane. Oh my God! Yes, please. Okay, fine. I take it back. Bring back Ian and bring back Jane. Yeah, not for a little while though. So where, by the way, so where do you think Ian is? Is now we know that he is alive. I've literally got no idea. My only yeah. idea is with Jane. 
Yeah, and but what one thing that bothers me though, and I and it and it could be the case that maybe Jane has come into money and she can sort it all out. But Ian just giving like the pub to to Sharon does that not completely screw over his already like bad financial situation? Yeah, I mean he was in like some level of debt, right? Like he was in a bit of a mess, so. It doesn't really make sense, like where all those problems have gone. Like, is Kathy now just dealing with that? It's a nightmare. He's unloaded. He's probably his most valuable asset. He's robbed money off Max. He remortgaged yeah. the cafe, um, and uh, he's yeah, he's he's lost the pub. He's scum. He just is. <sighs> yeah, I don't know. Like, do you think Sharon is gonna forgive him? Um. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of do because I don't, it can go like two ways. It's either like she forgives him and they get over it or like they have this ongoing feud, which would stir up loads of kind of unsustainable long-term drama. Well, quite. Actually, and one thing this, this, uh, you know, again, going to get us all serious again. Um, It does also irritate me that like, you know, it feels like EastEnders were like, okay, we we did the Islamophobia storyline and we're never going to mention it again. And it's a bit <laughs> like, because this, I feel like this is kind of way, the way they're treating it. There's been ample opportunity, even if you can say it wasn't sufficient justification for what Ian did, there's been ample opportunity for him to mention what he did. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And they've like just pretended it hasn't happened. And I worry it's because basically they were like, well, the public might not be too happy about us mentioning this too much. So we better stay I away from it. I think it was it. just a plot device, to be honest. I think it was a plot device to like demonstrate that Denny is terrible. But but they, they did it, though. They did it, right? And, uh, and, and if it was just a plot device, why are they avoiding it? Yeah. Yeah, it's a Bobby. I forgot that Bobby was Muslim because we haven't seen any evidence of it for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I just, I, I genuinely, it genuinely worries me that they are like making an active decision to avoid it because, as you say, it's either one of two things. Okay, it's either that they were like, yes, we want to do an Islamophobia storyline. Okay, if so, if you're that forward thinking, then don't pretend it never happened, or it was a plot device. And then, if if you if you feel like it's that trivial a thing, then why do you never? Why does Ian never mention it? Why does you know? Why does nobody ever yeah. mention it? Like, why does Bobby never mention it? Why does Ikra I mean, never mention maybe it? Maybe they put it to bed because they've kind of gotten rid of all the other Muslim characters. Like, Ikra's the only <laughs> one left, and she's got no. She's got absolutely no ties on the square anymore. But if if I was saying to you, Una, why did you lock my son into a uh, into onto a boat? Like, um, you're like, because he's a racist piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, or at the very least, it. you'd be like, <laughs> oh, I didn't mean to do that, but this is what happened, and like, yeah. blah blah blah. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Okay, let's just move on to another another storyline that uh, I'm also a little bit like, hey, what have you done here? And that's uh, Tiff and Keegan. Yeah, we only saw a little bit of them this week. <laughs> um, yeah, I I felt like Tiff and Keegan have become like a parody. Yeah, and also what was, I don't like the kind of materialism in that storyline. I don't believe either of them, either as characters or either as like believable young people would, that storyline would make sense. I don't know, like maybe I'm too old now to be known what's going on with young people, but I can't see two 17-year-olds or 18-year-olds being like, 
oh, uh, I want a really expensive handbag. And, oh, I feel really guilty that I can't buy you this thing. And do you know what I mean? It yeah, just it was very, like, very overly traditional. And, like, we have seen an aspect of Keegan is that he's, like, really driven to be independent and he, like, feels this burden of of kind of wanting to provide for his family and for and for Tiff. But, like, to that extent, like, wanting to buy her an expensive handbag was just, like, I don't really believe that either of you are this stupid i mean tiff really wasn't like she didn't really care about it but like i didn't really believe that like keegan is kind of dumb enough to like take on another job to buy a handbag yeah exactly and 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 like there was no indication that tiff was disappointed okay it's totally believable that she saw something expensive that she likes fine happens to yeah and then she like mentioned it to some people but like yeah right like i'm sure like you know, I'm sure in your relationship, one or one of you or both of you has mentioned something expensive, and it's not been a oh my god, this is a massive hint that you must buy this thing that I know you can't afford. Yeah, I mean, it's it happens every year at Valentine's Day, doesn't it? It's like some really over the top storyline about Valentine's Day happens because Valentine's Day is like more of a media spectacle than it is an actual presence in people's lives. Yeah, exactly. Like if they'd done. And I guess they kind of this did this with Cush and Whitney, where actually their non-date date was a kind of quite sweet budget date. Like it was, yeah. you know, pizza, a DVD, two people who want to spend some time to, with each other. Like that was really lovely. And I totally would believe that that's how Keegan and Tiffany, particularly after the year they both had, would yeah. quite want to spend their Valentine's Day. Yeah, exactly. That would have been so much more believable and so much more sweet as well. Like, there's been no, we haven't really seen any process of, like, Tiff supporting Keegan through losing his sister. Yeah, and I feel like that's really unfair to the actor slash the character to basically yeah. make it look like they're uncaring when everything they've told us so far about Tiffany, apart from when she compared ginger prejudice to racism, um, <laughs> is that she is quite a caring person. Yeah. yeah yeah and they had like an emotional maturity to their relationship that was unusual for their age i mean i guess it's lining up for trouble for keegan isn't it he's he's getting a job at the club and i guess suggests that he might get more like roped into vinnie's vinnie's little on the side (sighs) money makers yeah i mean they they need to have a look at the writer's room and basically be like okay we need to up the percentage of people who are like under 30. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because it, some of the storylines are a bit like, no, mate, you're... And, and I think also it's a little bit of a disappointment because as I say, you look back to EastEnders back in the day and it's clear that it was like, I don't want to say cutting edge, but it was close to cutting edge. Um, and at times, like, it feels like EastEnders is written for like, the long-term fan and they haven't got a huge sense of like uh renewing like the kinds of people who watch eastenders now fine people you know are still watching it so obviously you know young people do watch eastenders yeah i think they can only push that so far there will come a point where people like a young person like will watch it and be like why would i watch this yeah they should hire some young writers they should or even just young consultants yeah i mean you know I don't know if you and I count as young anymore, but we're. I don't think we do. (laughs) We're not under thirty, so. Hey, I I certainly do not want to be consulted on like what young people are doing or are interested in. 
it's a level of pressure that I'm not. Um... Yeah, but you, you use the you use the TikTok, don't you? <laughs> the TikTok now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm on TikTok, but like my the algorithm gives me like videos by like 13 year olds being like, "This is a public service announcement announcement for millennials." The cry laughing emoji is no longer valid. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? I am all for Zoomers taking the piss out of uh, our really generation. It's really funny, yeah, and yeah, they're so it's accurate. It's embarrassing. Right? Yeah, guys, put your Harry Potter books book down, please. <laughs> I would like to say I may be a millennial, but I have hated Harry Potter for a long time. I mean, I also have, but again, I'm, you know, because my first love is this podcast, I'm like, please keep listening. If you love Harry Potter, we don't mind. We also do embarrassing. <laughs> we also do embarrassing millennial shit as well. So yeah, we do. We do. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. I think it's time for me to ask you. Who is your EastEnder of the week? Wah, wah, wah. Um, okay, this is actually tough because there's only a few people to choose from. Mm. Um, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go for Max. I was reluctant oh, to go yeah. for Max, yeah, because maybe it's going to be Max again next week if his departure is really good. True, yeah. Um, but yeah, I just felt so bad for him in that scene with the with the clairvoyant and i was like yeah max i feel you i feel you yeah bro. he acted his little socks off this week he did he did it was he was very sweet so yeah, yeah it's max it could be max again next week but but That's he fine. definitely definitely deserved it he was a, a yeah, diamond in the rough last week very true who was your eastender of the week my eastender of the week was lucas Mm, nice nice okay yeah go on uh mainly for his like insane scene in the church where he was like screaming <laughs> um yeah i think just because kind of up until this week i think we've i've been more on the fence about like are they redeeming him or is he still evil and then this week i just really enjoyed his like villainous tendencies coming back yeah going off to like kill caleb like on a whim um and it's yeah. like, well, not on a whim, but like, you know, at, at the drop <laughs> of a for hat. for no reason. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, but, like he, but also still with all of this like weird religious justification. Um, and it really reminded me of like, because he was such a like holier than thou character. And then like back in the day, I remember there was like one scene where he got like really, really religious to a point where it was like, oh, this is a bit weird, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And actually, it's something I haven't thought about in any detail. And probably, at, you know, an hour into the podcast, it's probably not the time. Um, <laughs> but um, it is interesting that they haven't really done an awful lot different in the way that he relates to his faith. Like, um, yeah, it's very similar to how he was when he was killing people. <laughs> it, it, it is. It is. But like, I think I think it kind of makes sense for me because prison is um is very extreme and it's a really really tough experience and i think often like obviously i'm not saying that everyone goes through this but i've met like several people who've been to prison and and gone through quite an intense spiritual experience and got quite Mm. attached to like a specific ideology not in an unhealthy way like lucas but maybe in in a way that's like a lot more in depth than you necessarily would if you if you weren't in that really difficult situation a bit more like fundamental 
Right, and and I think Bobby's the person to point to in that regard, right? Totally, yeah. Like something that gives you like routine and purpose and kind of tells you, gives you a feeling of like surrendering in a way that doesn't feel like suicidal. Yeah, I do do think though that the way Lucas has like, you know, come to his faith like is problematic in as much as he uses it as a thing to dampen down these tendencies. Now, from a kind of viewer perspective, I'm like, oh, this is quite entertaining. This whole, like, he's got this dark side and he needs, you know, to use the, to use Jesus to stop him from killing people. Um, But it's not, it's not a sustainable way to not murder people. (laughs) It is. No, it's not. But I quite like it in that it's, it's very clear that like, if it wasn't the religion, he would be finding other justifications. Like he is just someone who is controlling um, like in a similar way to Grey, that like he's controlling, but it still has a tendency to like totally see himself as the victim. So like, right, he right. will always find a justification. It just so happens that like this is the avenue that he's taken. Yeah, well, you know, I think Lucas was a great shout, and I think uh, it's time for our final segment. What's your prediction for next week? Um, my prediction for next week. I've sort of already said it. Um, I think I'm going to go with Keegan's going to get into something dodgy. I think get into um, maybe like selling some, was it NOS that Vinny was selling? Yeah. Like yeah maybe which... he's going to get Billy's odd job. Well, the, the NOS is a little bit like small time, right? Like for it to be an interesting storyline, but... Um... Well, all drugs are like very high stakes on EastEnders. Yeah, fine, fine. Like, I mean, <laughs> NOS is one of those ones that, like, I don't even know. Is it is it even illegal? I have no idea. It's like so. Yeah, it's so like unremarkable that it's hard yeah. to believe that it is a storyline. But it's EastEnders, where every time someone takes drugs, they almost die. Yeah, I mean, when I was at uni, which yes, despite me not being super young, wasn't that long ago. It definitely wasn't <laughs> illegal then. Um, and anyway, whatever. I don't want to get into my view on drugs policy, but. Um, <laughs> You know, EastEnders are slightly silly in that regard, but yeah, I could, I could believe yeah. that's where they're they're taking. I think it's that's where it's going. I'm not very happy about it. We can talk about that in a future episode. Although I will try and bring some more positive vibes um, next week. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Like we, we, you know, we want to be positive guys. So give us, give us opportunity. Yeah. Um, what's your prediction, love? What is my prediction? <laughs> Um, okay, you know what? I'll make a Max-based one, given that I know it yes, is please. his last week. Um, and I think he's going to somehow facilitate uh, Linda getting the pub back as like either oh. a final parting gift or a final way of trying to get her back. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Okay, cool. I hope yeah. that happens. I yeah. always say this about your predictions. I just thought you make a prediction. I'm like, yeah, that's such a great idea. So I think you should be a consultant on the EastEnders storylines. Maybe not for young people, but <laughs> just for like general good storylines. I think I could right now. I'd say the average age, like of the young people on the square, like in the way that they the, the storylines they have is about forty, and <laughs> I think I could bring it down to thirty. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Hire Nav. To get some semi-believable storylines about young yes. people. <laughs> if you want actual believable storylines about young people, actually just hire some young people. Yeah, that would be a good shout. Good shout. Yes. 
please. Okay, I think we've finally wrapped up a long episode today. Um, apologies, maybe, to people. I don't know, I feel like we always assume that people want short episodes, but if you're asking me, I like a podcast that's at least an hour long. Do you know what it is? And this is really boring, so I'll probably cut this out. But um, <laughs> uh, I think you have to work... Like it, it, The problem is, is that it's hard to figure out the uh, commuter length right now. Like, yeah. And... You know, some people have long commutes, some people have short commutes, but right now everybody's, well, not everybody, obviously, but a lot of people are at home. Yeah. So, you know, it's like, uh, do people, you know, I don't know how long an episode they want. Do you do your daily walk? Well, with my mum, though. So, oh, okay. You know. Yeah. Because I do a daily walk, which is probably like 20 minutes, half an hour. So if I wanted to listen to one episode, that's how long it would be. But like, I like to have really long episodes that I can kind of like listen to over the week. Like I like to listen to them while I'm doing the washing up or like doing the laundry. Like, so really can't get enough. Yeah. And us talking about how long podcasts should be has added another five minutes to the show. Yeah. So that's good for people who like long <laughs> podcasts. <laughs> do you know what I think you need to do right now? Talk some more. Talk some more, but specifically... People need to know what our email address is, Una. <laughs> if you want to email us and tell us how long you think this podcast should be, it is <laughs> getoutofmypod at gmail.com or you can tweet us at getoutofmypod. Super easy, super easy. So we're not going to join any, uh, any of the other socials because we can't manage what we have. So, um, <laughs> you know, email and Twitter should be sufficient. Yeah, it should be. But we love to hear your opinions, so uh, send them all in. Yeah, and thank you for keep you know keep on for still listening despite us not being a big fan of some of the stuff that's happened recently. Yeah, pleasantly surprised every week that anyone yeah. tunes in. Um, we'll be with you again next weekend. Bye. Bye. <laughs>